Welcome to the Preach and Persuade podcast. I'm my name is Sam Parada, and we are in part two of a discussion that we're having. Uh, I'm with my friend Dan Rumman. If you didn't listen to part one of this discussion, but we're having a discussion on postmodernism and knowledge and and authority and just a whole sermon of things. If you listen to part one, you probably got a little bit of an overload. I, I was I was listening wow. to like I was trying to like comprehend what we were talking about and we were talking so fast so hopefully you were able to i mean the cool thing about podcasts is you can pause rewind you know you can slow it down actually you can speed it up so if we talked too fast for your brain to comprehend then just press that little button in the corner of your phone that says slow it down half or whatever it is <laughs> so it's that's, that's crazy right? yeah it's good it's cool that you can well do i that. think we kind of get excited with each other oh right? man we just get so jazzed up about yeah, it but yeah if you didn't listen yeah. to part one i'd actually highly encourage you to go back listen to that part because uh, we're going to be continuing to build on this this whole thing that we've already been talking about we kind of laid out a history of of postmodernism when you know, talked about modernism uh, talked about the ism on postmodernism, all this stuff that we discussed. We talked about uh, true knowledge, true authority. Everybody actually lives by faith. They trust something. They have a set of assumptions that they live their life by. All these things that kind of is the bedrock for this coming discussion that we're going to have. And we're we're going to transition a little bit into this really kind of look at language itself. Because what Dan was telling us in part one of this discussion is like, okay, God has revealed truth to us, true truth, propositionally through language, condescended to us, spoken to us, and revealed truth through the scriptures ultimately. And Jesus totally affirmed the scriptures, totally affirmed that this is absolute truth, this is God's word, uh, you can trust it, it's trustworthy, and then obviously we know that he said that he would uh, die and be raised to life three days later, he, he was raised to life three days later, validating everything that he said. So language, if you can think about it this way, chronologically in a sense, precedes man. God spoke the universe into existence with a word, with language. Mm-hmm. So language is fundamental, really. There's language before the universe existed. God spoke the world into existence yeah. with language, which is really interesting, interesting concept, a really interesting truth. And then we, we kind of see that truth a little bit elaborated in John you know, chapter one, where the word became flesh, Jesus, the word, the logos, you know, very interesting things that, I mean, that'd be a whole discussion on itself. Yeah. But postmodernism, what it does is it's a deconstruction of language. We're going to deconstruct language to get to the underlying political or sexual agenda. Uh, you know, I'm going to... In this, power, you say power agenda. The power, power agenda. Power, the power. Power yeah. agenda. It was just, it's just a deconstruction. All languages is a power play. Yep. It's only used to get power, to keep power, to transition power, to whatever it is. It's a deconstruction of language. And by the so, way, that can be true. People can do it that way. Yeah, they can. Absolutely. Absolutely. But we think language is a whole lot more than just yeah. that. <laughs> so language is an interesting topic. I mean, when you think about language, here you have you have in God true, truth. God is truth. Truth is God. Then God reveals truth, you almost can think of it as like an avenue or a vehicle, through this avenue or this vehicle of language. Propositionally, God reveals, tells us truth through this avenue or vehicle of language, of words, in sentences, in paragraphs, and, and you know, in chapters. Like, it's really quite amazing. Like, a word in it of itself, like the word dog, like, what is dog? Like, 
that that in the English language, the symbol D O and G, like there is actually no fundamental meaning in those the way you write that. But there there is something really true. There is something really real about that. There is there's such things as dogs. Yeah. But we have you know, and just it's just a really kind of a kind of a confusing thing. But we know that D O G means that thing, a dog. Yeah, it's analogical. Analogical, sure. Yeah, exactly. And, and so this this whole language thing is really confusing. But ultimately, there is real truth, real objective things mm-hmm. that you know language describes. So there's real meaning behind it, in a sense. Uh, and so, kind of, Dan, go wherever you want to go with it. This whole topic of language deconstruction well, of language. I yeah. mean, wherever you want to go. Yeah. I mean, it's huge, huge topic. Oh man! But postmodernist postmodernism really deconstructs it. You can, yeah. It's, it, it, when you say deconstruct, you know, Sam, I, I think you know we talked a little bit before we began, but like we're talking about this, like this, this, this. They call it a hermeneutic of suspicion. Yeah. Hermeneutic means like how you translate. There's always this suspicion. There must be a power play behind this. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, no. We're, we're, I mean, if you're going to approach life that way, it's a pretty cynical, difficult way to approach life. Yep. And um, and so there's this this suspicion behind everything. There's this deconstruction. There must be this motive behind it, and it's a power play. Yeah. And um, and so it just that that's part of this discussion. The other part, you know, and I've heard this part before is like you know words have changed meaning and things. And of course, there's these this you know etymology. This idea like you know these things started and they can transition. We can have some different words. Yeah. And, you know, I don't even know what you guys call it now. You know, there was in my lifetime there, there was like when I came out of high school. You know, a really cute girl was a fox. You know, and then it went, <laughs> then then then, she, then it went to you know she's hot. Yeah. And I don't even know what they say anymore. But like, well, yeah, I mean, but we all know. Yeah. This is what's strange to me. It's like okay, but I know I, what you're talking about. But I know what you're talking about. Yeah, we all kind of know what we're talking about. <laughs> I mean, so I don't understand. Sometimes I get so confused. Like we make this thing so complicated, and it has to be some kind of sophisticated academic, is what I say. I'm not. By the way, I'm not against scholarship, but like we make this something that it's not. It's yeah. like no. And so um, the way I think about this, this is my little metaphor I give for it. Okay, so we have this idea. Like there's these two. You know, let's just call them cavemen, cave women. <laughs> I'll be politically correct for a moment. Cave women. <laughs> Whatever. You know what I mean. Two people sitting there. In some, you know, prehistoric place. And one looks up and goes, oh, oh, leaf. Yeah. And they point into a tree and they go, leaf. And the other one goes, leaf. And, you know, I'm glad you can laugh because it's sort of funny. But it's like the point is, is like the first person, man or woman, who said leaf, technically, really, if we want to be honest, the second one doesn't know exactly what they're pointing at. No. What are they pointing at? Maybe it's maybe it's the color of this shape of this thing, yeah. or maybe it's one of the branches, or maybe it's a vein. You know, in maybe, it. maybe they see a little caterpillar on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You really don't. So there's a sense. If I'm going to be suspicious, I really don't know. Yeah. And so there's this idea that that's how words happened. Yeah. Like man came up with words, and if once again, if we start with man, and your presupposition, the thing you trust is man alone, right? then in a sense, you actually would be right because no yeah. man can get in the mind of another man. Right. But I go, no, it didn't work that way. Right. God created a real world. Right. He sp- not only spoke it into existence, but think of this. We have this huge doctrine, which is another whole discussion called the Trinity. Right. Like God communicated within himself forever. Right. For all eternity, God's been communicating. Yeah. It's awesome. 
thought. It's amazing. Amazing thought. I'm not, once again, not stuck with an individual God who's kind of talking to himself in a mirror. Like, no, 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 I have a being that's actually real. Yeah. That, that at the same time, a perfect unity is also a diversity. Right. And he communicates within himself. So he did for all eternity. Yep. That's what the Logos means. But yep. there's a whole, like you said, there's a whole lot to this Logos idea. Yeah. Um, you know, the beginning of everything, the beginning of the voice, beginning of everything. And, and, and Jesus is that. And so so there's this communication. And then then we have we have this clarity that God spoke everything into existence. But I always find just fascinating right there in your first couple of verses of Genesis. Like he spoke it into existence. Right. And then think about this. After he created Adam, he spoke to Adam. He gave Adam rules, right? Commands, right? And then go further. Adam, if we, you know, we'd have to go into the theology of this, but it's pretty simple. It's straightforward. Adam was to represent God in the world, right? He was created in the image of God. Yep. Then God created Eve, right. the image of God, both equal value, image of God. Right. They had different roles. Right. It was they came together in this role. Yep. To represent God in this world. And when you think about represent God in this world, let's go back. What is the ultimate reality? It's God. Yeah. So what are they supposed to represent? God. God. And so in a sense, you could say Adam was the first preacher. Sure. He is to proclaim truth. Right. He is to make truth known. Right. Well, how do you communicate? You communicate with words. Right. <laughs> and so my point is, you say, once again, presuppositions, words didn't begin with two men sitting there or two women or a man <laughs> and a woman go, <laughs> that's not how it began. And so I, I fully believe God created communication. He gave us real word, real, real, real letters on pages. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that there isn't a whole discussion about how these developed and what happened in languages there are. Yep. But we can fundamentally know yep. all sorts of things right. that God has sought to communicate right. to us. And, and, and we believe um, clearly, and again, we could look at rational evidence, and it seems to add up to this, that, that the Scriptures— were written by real men, real languages, yep. real things, yep. carried along by the Holy Spirit. Right. So going back to the first podcast, it would be really valuable for you to kind of think about. We, we were making this case that what the Christian worldview is is a is a representation of, of, of the real world. Right. And it, it, it represents it wholly, co- coherently, consistently, both the physical and the non-physical. Right. And it all fits together. And so... The examples, you, you go into the examples of Scripture, we say, okay, think about this. Like, we're dealing with this Jesus, who's a, a real um, uh, non-physical being all of eternity, the second person of the Trinity. At the same time, he put on human skin. Yeah. So God, so so Jesus is fully man, fully God. Yeah. That's that's the and, doctrine. Fascinating. And, and very clearly, the fullness of deity was right pleased there, right, before, right before us. Yep. Um, leaves us questions. How can that be? Yeah. I, I don't know. That's why we're dealing with an infinite God, and we worship him, and it's amazing. Yeah. It's not. It's not um, uh, uh, we're contradictory. Supposed, we're it's supposed not, to be an awe. Yeah, it's not contradictory. It's just no. like, wow, what's that? How'd that work? Uh, and so another one. What I'm talking about is the scripture. Right. The scripture was written. It's real words written on a real piece of something. Yeah. Carried along by the Holy Spirit. Right. See, I believe God gave us the scriptures. Absolutely. Real man's personality. Now think about this. It says something about the dignity of us as human beings. Like God actually really does use us. Yeah. Like like when I speak. His truth. It's his truth. It's not my truth. I didn't come up with it. Right. But when I speak it with my personality and my voice and my language in certain places, God uses that to actually communicate something to other human beings. Isn't that amazing? 
See, am I? Yeah, it's amazing. And I mean, you guys, this is like, all. This should give you a little uh, goosebumps on your. I mean, arm if you've listened like, to any of this podcast at all, we've already talked about in previous podcast episodes, especially like irresistible grace, things like that. This doctrine of regeneration, how the general world, the general gospel word, the spoken or preached world, becomes effective and and Holy Spirit supernaturally yeah. makes it a word of power and changes. Yep. The state of somebody's heart spiritually, yep. like that's amazing. Yes. Now, if I start with a different worldview that that's a sec, what we'd call a secular worldview, I'm going to try to remove God from that picture. Yeah. And I'm left with just men coming up with words. I totally would say I agree with you. Yeah. How could you ever know anything? Right. I'd throw up your yeah, hands. Yeah. There is an infinite amount of interpretations. Who's to say that that's the right one? Blah blah blah. blah. See, see, I I get where people get there. Yeah. But but see, you're starting with a different presupposition than yeah. I am. Now now this gets to we can't go down this road entirely. But this gets to be, personally for me, a frustration yeah. with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes it's just because they don't know. Yep. But they've been steeped in a system, Yep. usually an educative system in fairness, right. you know, a public education system in large number, not just public, just an education system. And they've been taught the wrong thing. Right. And I go, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no, no. I actually do believe in my presuppositions that God is there and he spoke to us. That's where I start. That's why I always go there. It's not just because I want to... You know, I have, um, uh, I only have a hammer, so every problem is a nail. Yeah. Like, no, but I really believe that's, you have to start there. You have to. So I certainly understand the unbeliever who rejects God and rejects that God spoke would come up with confusion on this. Right. But when I see Christians do it, it's very difficult for me because I'm like, oh, you're missing, you don't understand. You have brought in a presupposition that is not Christian. Right. And you see this, you realize like... (laughs) You know, you could go like to the behavioral sciences, you know, sociology, psychology, um, uh, 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 political science, a number of these things. If you realize that that entire system is not based on the same presuppositions I'm based on. No. No, I'm not even saying that they don't come up with some things that are accurate, like observations of the world. Sure. The problem isn't that they don't come up. Like if you go out and did a study and studied a bunch of people, you would come up with some observations. You go, yeah, this seems to be legitimate observation. Of yeah. This sort of sets of circumstances lead to this sorts of things. Okay, good. The problem in the whole thing is when you start trying to connect the dots and interpret it. <laughs> See, the Bible gives us the interpretation of it all. Yeah. But if you negate and say, okay, I don't believe God's really there, and I don't believe he really spoke to us, or even if you don't say that like in a doctrinally dogmatic way, you just kind of don't aren't thinking that way, you adopt all sorts of ideas that end up with this confusion. Right. See, that, that, that gets to be the frustration. So this word one is a big one for me because I've had this. I, I've, I've talked to people in ministry, young people, and they get upset when I say, no, God started words. Right. God started language. Right. It's not a problem right. for me. Right. I, I actually think I can tell you something. You guys know what I mean. Yep. Like when I say words have meaning, Yep. you kind of know what I mean. Yeah. Well, this is interesting. We're having a discussion right now using words, yeah. and I, mean, I, think I, th- I think I understand what you're saying. So you'd <laughs> have to have an ultra, ultra, like, crazy suspicion skepticism to throw all this out and say we really don't get what dan's and sam are saying yeah now could you overstate something could yeah. you understand are, something? are there misunderstandings we, Absolutely. we do all the time yeah but that doesn't mean that that you don't just throw it all out right you can't throw it all out and that's that is what ends up by happening in this and it's i think come on you guys yeah so even the person that says you know well you guys words have no meaning i want you know i, I know this sounds but think about it. Yep. Somebody yep. says to yep. me, says to me, words have no meaning. I'm like, oh, didn't you just say, use words to tell me words? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to pick on it, but like, think about what you're saying. 
And so we really do believe things have meaning. We really do believe things are analogic. Oh, they fit. Yeah. When I talk about dog, you know, I'm not talking about a person. I'm talking about a dog. Yeah, I know what a dog is. We, we kind of know. We could change it, and we yeah. call it a dog. We'll say doggy. You know, we'll say yeah, beast, just, whatever. Just whatever. Look at what you mean. Right. Yeah. So, so the point is, what you are talking about earlier is, yeah, that, that's kind of a part of this construct in this postmodern kind of day that we live. Yep. Is this suspicion of language, this we really can't communicate. Yeah. And, and again, I understand some of it in the sense of if I came from a different presupposition, I can understand where yeah. somebody would. But no, I think it's really clear that I can speak to you and you know what I'm saying and God will take it and make sense out of it. Yep. Yep. I'm, I have full confidence. In fact, you know, Sam knows you, you, you and I have traveled this last year right. to a few other countries and talked to people. And it's fascinating. We'll, we'll be, you know, we'll be in a room with people literally like um, from eight or 10 other countries. Right. You've been in these settings with yep. me. And uh, how many different ethnic groups, truly? I mean, there's all these different oh, crazy. ethnic groups in one room. Yep. And we talk about the scriptures, we yep. talk about the gospel, we talk about the realities of God, and everybody understands. Yep. Now think about that. This is universal truth. Oh, this is amazing. It's amazing. In fact, since this is a Christian podcast, we could even go here because you guys would know the story. It's a fascinating story, really, when you think about it. Like the Tower of Babel. Yeah. Was man was going to set himself up yep. in some autonomous, the fancy word autonomous, man's going to be the center. Right. And there's different discussions of what the tower represented, but it's this kind of idea we're going to build this tower and we're going to get God to come down and do our bidding. Yeah. Because we want him to serve us the way we want him to serve us because we want to be all that. Right. That's really kind of the picture. Okay. Yeah. It's really simple. Well, then what did God do? Well, he came down and he blew the whole thing up. Yeah. He said, you're going to scatter in all these different languages. You're yep. not going to be able to understand each other. Yep. Babble, 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 babble. Right? Yep, yep, yep. yep. Genesis 11. So here's the fascinating thing. You think of the day of Pentecost. Yeah. You know, Acts chapter 2. Yep. What happens? You got all these people, all these people from, you know, the Jewish world. They all gather in Jerusalem. Yep. And there's this supernatural miracle that happens. Right. And what's the miracle? Like, all of a sudden... These all these people hear other people speaking the wonders of God in their language. Right. So they're seeing this guy that they know is, you know, you could kind of say, well, he's a Russian, but he's speaking perfect Spanish. Yeah. Like, how does he do that? Right. It was this miracle. Right. And, and so that when, here's the fascinating thing. If you go through that text and you read it, you'll see that what they then say, what, the, what these people say, uh, the Jewish people, they're looking, they're going, what does this mean? mean yeah see they could tell it was a sign in 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 getting i mean i could preach on this all day but guys it's a reversal of the tower of babel yeah that now there's the supernatural miracle that says what's going on here is for all tribes tongues and nations yep and then what you actually in a sense really do see unfold throughout the book of acts in all sorts of ways we could have a whole discussion about it is that in this thing called the gospel this proclamation of god it goes to every tribe, tongue, nation. It crosses every kind of cultural boundary. It goes to all sorts of different kinds of people. Yeah. It goes to men. It goes to women. It goes to everybody. It's universal. It's universal. And wherever it goes, it made sense. Yep. It's true truth. Yep. It's amazing. Yep. So it's a reversal of the Tower of Babel. So in a real sense, this postmodern world is Babel all over again. Yeah. We're scattered in these different groups. Yeah. We can't understand don't each know other. What's going on. We need to have all sorts of special spaces for each other because oh, I don't understand man. you. You don't understand me. Yeah. It's 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 all over again. It's really yeah, fast. It's you, you could use too. that construct. And it, it has a tremendous explanatory power for what's going on in our culture. Yeah. So mankind, again, set, set himself up with himself. I'm going to define all of life out of me. Yep. And the thing gets blown up, and you can't even understand anything. Yeah. And nobody can understand anybody. Right. And nobody can get along. Right. And this is the crazy thing. You could get in to talk about communism and Marxism and these kinds of things. At the end of the day, you know, 
there is this revolution. There's this like huge conflict. Right. Nobody can get along. Well, of course you can't. Right. And this is the beauty of what Christianity gives us is that in this thing called the gospel, you take all these diverse peoples and they're all centered on the right same thing. Yeah. That, that is the living God of the universe. Right. And guess what? It brings them together in complete diversity. Right. And that's what Colossians 3 tells in you know, junior Greek, slave nor free, man or woman, all are one in Christ. Oh. Oh. And it's really a fascinating picture, isn't it? It's right. like, it's just like the unity wow. and the diversity. It's like, and yet we all agree with the same thing. We all have the same fundamental fixation on the reality, worship fixation. Yep. Uh, maybe fixation is a good word, but you know what I mean? Yeah. This worship, this like, oh, Jesus. Yep. Like, oh, yeah. Yep. And yet, and yet we're all still individuals. Diver- diverse. You could yep. never be more diverse. I remember uh, hearing an interview with a, uh, a woman in Africa. And they were talking to, and, and, and the statement was the, the the statement she had made something like, "We were never more African than after we came to faith in Christ." Sure, because the diversity now is like, no, yeah, we should absolutely and, and like you always say. This. Maybe you heard it from somebody. God only makes originals. Yeah, I say that all the time. Yeah, in kind of a mentoring discipleship role that I play in people's lives, like with you or yep. anybody. Like I could talk to anybody. Like there's nobody in the world like you, right? Nobody, no, absolutely nobody. Now there's some categories you might fall into, right? Sure, but, but there's nobody like you. And this is the amazing thing, once again, what God gave. Isn't it interesting? The world is looking for this kind of thing called unity and diversity. First, yep. got to ask the question, why is that so important to you? Where did that come from? Right. <laughs> why is that wired into your soul? Right. And I'm going to go, well, yeah, of course. The perfect unity and diversity is God himself. Yeah. It's Trinity. Trinity. And then he created a whole world to express unity and diversity. Right. It's just amazing. It's, it's beautiful. Like, oh, it's a beautiful picture. It's, it is it is unbelievable, and and philosophers have been caught in this conundrum of unity <laughs> yeah. and diversity. You know, you know, I it's tell people, so interesting. There, it's a huge conundrum, but yet Christianity perfectly explains yeah, it. Here we are again. The God we worship literally is that unity is and diversity. That. And then He created a world, and He's creating this body, if you will, of people. Yep. He's calling them to Himself. Yep. In all their diversity. Yep. And yet they're all unified. Right. In what the gospel. Right. It's right. like. And, and and let's go back what we really started this podcast with. When we say the gospel, it is a proclamation. Yeah. See, this is the thing we have to understand. Propositions. But, yeah, it's propositions. It's facts and acts. It's real. Yeah. It's like, and, and the reason I, I, I bring that up is I was just thinking about this recently. I saw this again, and I, I don't like this quote. I, I can't really say that this is who said this statement, but it's attributed often to St. Francis of Assisi. Sure. You know, something about... Um, uh, you know, preach and when convenient, use words, <laughs> and it's or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and, yeah, and the I've, idea, yeah, you know, yeah. you've heard it before, and I, I, I probably, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm slaughtering it. But the principle is like he's saying, preach with your life. Yeah, and I think that's true. I think our lives should represent what we believe. I think we should be a consistent people to the degree we can be. Yeah, but none of us are that consistent. No, to the gospel to the amazing gospel of God. Like I screw up. Yeah, that's what I was saying this morning. I or on the uh, first podcast, I have to seek forgiveness of my wife. Or, right, like, I blew it today. Okay. But the point being is, um, in all of that, what is my point? The point is, you have to Help eventually me. speak. Yeah, yeah. You have to say yeah, words. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard it said this way one time, yeah. too. You, you don't live the Pythagorean theorem. Right. It's like, no, you have to say it. Yeah. You have to speak it. You communicate I, mean, I can't it. look at your life and think, oh, there's a Pythagorean theorem. Right, right. You, you, there, there, there are these real propositional yeah, things that have to be spoken. I about. have a real story about that too. Yeah, you hear it all. You hear it all yeah. the time. People say, and part of it too is just they, they, they're trying to justify their lack of evangelism in their life. Oh, okay. So they go, well, I, I share the gospel through my life. 
You know, you've heard, you've probably heard that before. Like, oh, yeah, that's, that's sort of what I'm talking. Yeah, about. that's what you're talking about. Like, yeah, I share yeah. the gospel through my actions, through my life, through the way I interact. Which, by the way, I want to affirm in part. Well, right, you should be living, yeah, a holy consistent, a holy life, obedient. But here's the problem: the gospel, sharing the gospel, evangelism is actually sharing with propositions, with words, yes, with language, the gospel. Exactly. So you have a there's a real story of uh, a couple that. A married couple living in a neighborhood that were a Christian couple that were trying to do this. They they wanted to live, uh, you know, live the gospel and not, mm-hmm. not say anything, not impose, you know, these people around me will, you know, will, mm-hmm. will come to know the the truth of Christianity just through observing the way we live. Okay. And what happened is, like a couple years down the road, their neighbors came up to them and they go, "Wow, you and your wife, you guys are such good Muslims." What? Muslims? What are you talking about? We're not Muslims. We're Christians. How did you not get that? Because he didn't say anything. And for some weird reason, those people interpreted them, saw them as Muslims. Really? You've heard the story, huh? I've heard the story. That's it's crazy. really yeah. weird and peculiar. I, I can imagine. But it's it's just the point is like, no, eventually you got to open up your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And tell something. Speak. Yeah. yeah, because it is. That's what I'm saying. It's real stuff. Yeah. It's been, and, and Jesus ordained us, called us to speak that. Yeah. And there's this power when you do. Right. It's crazy. Like, it's way beyond me. Yeah. Like, like I, you know, I, I'm in many, many settings that I, uh, you know, you could say apologetics, okay? Yep. But my goal in those settings isn't to be like this philosophical guy. I said it in the first, first podcast that we did in the series here. Like, I'm really a pragmatic guy. If you got around me, you'd see. Like, I'm this blue-collar guy that wants right. things to make actually make sense and live life. And I'm not just trying to be heady and come up with some really articulate whatever. Yeah. It's never, I'm really, I'm really try, not trying to do that. Yeah. I want people to understand. Right. And so when you get in these discussions, people, when people ask me questions, I've been in some different panels in universities. And I, again, I, one of those places I go every week, I've been in the, this local jail system, uh, you know, uh, yeah, local yep. system for 20 years. Yep. 45 weeks a year, I'm probably, 40 weeks a year, I'm up there. It's crazy. They can ask me anything you want. Yep. And my whole point is like, like at some point in there, I want to show them like this ties to the gospel. Yeah. This is the message. And in one sense you say, really? Like you just kind of go keep going over the reality of who God is and that we're created us and we've fallen. And there's really this answer in this real Jesus who walked on this earth and made these claims and and they killed him. He came back to life and you can like trust him today and his presence will come to live in your life. Absolutely. Yep. It's absolutely true. Yep. Absolutely true. And it, and then like, yeah, yep. And I say it over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And I'm like, and then I meet people. People will tell me. I, I literally, years later, run into somebody. Hey, Dan, you remember me? Right. Yeah, I remember your face. Where I meet you? Oh, yeah, jail. You told me about Jesus. Yeah. And they start telling me the story. I'm like, wow. Yeah, crazy. And I just wonder about all over the world. Like, where yeah. this goes? In all the places I've been and nooks and crannies. And it's just, it's like, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. Okay, so let's wrangle it back in a little bit here. Yeah, go ahead. Let's, let's really start to get down into the nitty-gritty of some postmodern stuff and how it plays out in our life yeah. and in our culture and our country and our world. Yeah. I have to try to get my thoughts together here. So here, Okay, go. Here's an interesting thing. Yeah. And this is a dilemma for most people. Most people, as they think about postmodernism, is, is, this is a big dilemma. And this will kind of steer the conversation a certain way here. Okay, go. Um, here you have part of, okay, a characteristic of postmodernism mm-hmm. is a rejection of a meta narrative. Explain it. So meta narrative, yeah, is an overarching story or a universal truth that explains all things. So Christianity is a meta narrative. It's a story. It's a story. Christianity is a real life story. Real life story. Absolutely true. You can't go anywhere in the universe where Christianity is not true. 
the triune God exists in you. There's no place you can go where he does not exist and yeah. that he's not absolute. Yeah. That's a meta narrative. Yeah. So you have postmodernism rejecting meta narratives. It's very interesting. Marxism, communism. So we've been we talked about modernity and modernism in the previous yeah. podcast. We really talked about quite a bit a little bit. I mean, that was kind of a little quite a bit a little bit. We talked about it. Uh and Marxism really is philosophically a meta narrative. Yep. And here you have postmodernism coming after modernism rejects meta narratives, but yet the two guys really most known for inventing this postmodern theory were two Marxist French philosophers. Mm-hmm. Derrida, Foucault. Yep, those guys, yeah. Yep. And really, yeah. unanimously... Other, other names in that hat, you could put Leotard. And yeah, you could put a lot of people in that Rorty hat. And, yep. 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 So you have you have all these people that would call themselves postmodernism, or postmodernists. Well, they, they, they may not use that term, but yep. then I don't know. But go ahead. Yep, whatever. Yep, I know what you mean, though. Yep, and you have all... It's very interesting. It's a rejection of meta-narratives, but all these people that say that they, they are... Yeah, whatever, whatever they call themselves, but they 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 tend to fall into this category of postmodernists. Yeah, they're Marxists. So there's a contradiction right there. Okay, here's a postmodernist that though they still consider themselves Marxists or or socialists or whatever, uh, that's a contradiction because postmodernism rejects meta narratives, but yet you are Marxist, which oh, believes in meta narratives, yep. yep. and so you have. It's really interesting, and maybe this is where we'll tie into this this analogy that you've used before in this room with the pianos. Yeah. So you just kind of let that say that analogy. Yeah, yeah. There again, you know, and even when we talk, Sam, I always feel strange doing this thing. Is like, I just pick these up from other people. I know. Well, I, try I to, think I everybody to, picks. Yeah, these. I'm like, where did I get this? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't tell. But I heard it years ago, and I thought, oh, it's a great example. Okay, so we have a room. Uh, you know, let's just say twenty pianos sitting in a room. And we take twenty people, and yeah, and and I always kind of want to go. Let's let's say we put them in a catatonic state, so they had no outside information, and all of a sudden we wake them up at the age of twenty-two. Yeah, <laughs> and we take them and we put them in this room with these twenty pianos. Yeah, okay. And when I say no outside information, understand what I mean. The room's got lighting and stuff in it, but we don't tell them anything. They don't know anything about music. Yep. In a certain sense, they, they you know they don't know anything about uh, you know. Perfect pitch, not perfect pitch. Maybe even some of them have this thing called perfect pitch. Right? Who knows what it is? Right. But they don't know any information. We just put them, set them down at a piano. Yep. And then we show them that there's these wires in here. When you hit these little keys, they pop up this little hammer thing and, yep. they, hit the, and they hit the strings. Makes a sound. Makes a sound. And we give them this little brass key looking thing. Yep. Say, if you turn these wires, you can tune this piano. Yeah. We, so we give everybody a key and we say, I want you to tune that piano. Right. Just tune it. And you'd say, well, what do you mean? So just tune it. Just just turn the keys and make it sound like the way you think it needs to sound. Right. Well, how would they ever do that? Right. One person would say, well, I think this is what's tuned. Right. And another person might go, well, I think this is what's tuned. Right. Uh, you could stretch it out and say a few of them get together and say, hey, let's all compare notes and let's make our five pianos the same and we'll right. tell everybody this is tuned. Right, right. And then, oh, they're pulling a power play or something. Right, yeah. Know? So all of a sudden you end up with like, but the, the the fundamental thing is this idea of like, that is the picture right. from a secular, you could say, go modernism, postmodern, just a secular world apart from God. Yep. That is the idea. Yeah. And that 
you come up with what's true or reality for you. Right. Somebody else comes up with true reality for them. And if that is indeed the world we live in, right. they would be right. And they would really, in a sense, be right by going, who are you to tell me you have it tuned? Yeah. Because I know nobody knows Back what to the tune is. Pole. Who are you to say you've climbed greasy pole? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, who are you to say, again, yeah, I'm just thinking of the tune right now, but yeah. Yeah. But we'd say, yeah, why, why do you think yours is to any more tuned than mine? Come right, on, dude. Right, Like, come on, stop. Yep. Like, you don't know. Yeah. Nobody knows. Right. And so, yeah, and I guess that's your what you mean by grease pole. Nobody can climb up it. So, again, what we're saying, you see, and you, as you guys can surmise as we talk this way, the way you would tune a piano is you have to have a beginning point. You have yeah. to have some kind of reference point to begin with. Yeah. And I'm not a musician. I used to say middle C, and somebody said, well, it's more to it than that. Okay, but you know my point. Yep. I, you would have to have some voice you begin. Yep. You'd have to show people scales, and you'd have to say this leads to this leads yep. to this. Yep. But you'd have to start with something. Yeah. That is the reference. Yeah. And so... Um, Again, yeah, I, I think it's just a great analogy of our culture that both for the Christian to understand, that is the world we're living in. Right. People really do not believe that there's any outside information, per se, right. from another world right. that invades our world that says, here's the reference point. Right. And we as Christians are making a claim that there is outside information. Right. That's what I mean by outside. It, yeah. come, it doesn't come from within the heart of man. Nope. It doesn't come within my universities or my systems. Right. There is actual knowledge right. that came from outside of my world. Right that invades this space and says, here's the reference point. Here's how you tune the piano. Yep, here's how you do it. And so this is it. This is the analogy. Now I want to play off of this analogy because yeah. if that's really what, if that analogy, and it does a pretty good job of yeah. describing post Everything has, has weaknesses. Yeah, it has weaknesses. But it has a pretty, it, it, yeah, does it, it, gets, it gets it done. I mean, yep. you know, here's the interesting thing and the thing that a lot of people have struggled with and certain philosophers and th- certain thinkers have just, just like, how does this make sense? So if this was the case, if you had, yeah, a room of 20 pianos, 20 people, no outside information, tuning it how they feel like they're going to tune it. Yep. Turning the turning the, the, the strings and making them whatever. Yep. Pretty random. Yep. You would expect what you would, you would expect a, really a diversity of different tunings. Yep. You'd expect they're just like, just totally different, like from yep. all the way over to this side to all the way over at this side. Like you just got a whole different spectrum of Piano tunings. Yeah, truly, if it, in a real sense, you'd probably, end in our in our analogy, you'd end up with 20 different tunings. Exactly. Nobody would probably really no. tune the same. Right. So here's the interesting thing. So if we now translate that over to our real our real world we're, here. We're swimming in today, yep. in the news and everything. Okay, so yep. let's just look at, think about it politically. So you have, again, obviously we know in America we have, we have the left, we have the right, we have Democrat, Republican, you know, whatever. Conservative, liberal, got the spectrum. People can, you know, whatever. We have the spectrum. You can be, oh, you're far left, you're far right, you're in the middle, whatever. Yep. So, postmodernism would say that... The, the ism. Yeah. Postmodernism, not the period of time, but the thought, the ideology, would say that technically, postmodernists, the people, would fall all over that spectrum. They should technically, in technically, theory, right? in theory, fall all over that spectrum. You should have postmodernists that are right-leaning you should have postmodernists that are left-leaning you should have and in the middle right everybody's tuning their piano a different way and this is just kind of how you perceive reality blah 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 blah. all over the place the interesting thing is is that literally literally if you wanted to poll you this would probably be the fact that people that whatever if they identify with it or not or believe in postmodernism or ism they all fall Far left leaning and believe really in social type political ideas. 
You mean like socialism? Socialism. Yeah, yeah. that's what I meant. Yeah. So it's very interesting. It's, it's, I started with this dilemma of you have this postmodernism rejects meta narratives, but yet the really the the makers the 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 minds that came up with this postmodern theory, and uh, you know in the French universities in the seventies were Marxists, and Marxism is a meta narrative. What's going on? Yeah. And so really, what some of the best thinkers that have really thought about this postmodernism thing, yeah. uh, you know, Stephen Hicks, Jordan Peterson has thought about it a lot. There's others. They've realized that postmodernism isn't just a like just a way of thinking, a worldview, an ideology. Mm. It really is just a political agenda. It really is. It really is Marxism rebranded. It really is Marxism. Yep. And yep. Jordan Peterson says this: that it's gone underground. Yep. And then it changed the terms. Yep. It came back in disguise. Yep. And so, and if you know anything about Marxism, you had the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. The bourgeoisie were the were the rich capitalists, you know, the the I'm pretty sure I got that right. The, yep. the bourgeoisie, the rich capitalists, made all the money, the business owners, whatever. And the proletariat were the working class. Yep. That was a disparity. That's horrible. That's unjust. Yep. So Marxism says we're going to redistribute uh wealth and resources. So the government, you know, controls all the resources and we're going to distribute them evenly. Mm-hmm. And it's again all group identity too. There's no individual about it. You know, obviously we know that failed. No, I am an individual. No, I have these feelings. No, I actually do uh, more, uh, whatever, like work worthy of a higher pay than this person over here. Like there is a difference. We're different. And now you have people that just want to have that happen again, but now we're going to rebrand it. We're going to change it. We're going to make it different. And that's really politically what postmodernism is. So it really is a political agenda. So when you say political, you mean power. Power. It's power. Yeah. But who, who holds the power? Yeah, who holds the power? Yeah. And the postmodernists want to hold the power. Yep. And how are they going to hold the power? Well, they're going to hold the power by saying, well, everything is about power, and language is just a social construct, and we can we can interpret language however we want, uh, and that the, the people that have been in power in history have been just you know using language to oppress people, and all there is is the oppressor and the oppressed. Mm-hmm. And the postmodernist wants to, you know, they want to act like they have a a, a a care for the the down and out person, the the minority, the the working yeah. class person. They 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 have this compassion for him, but yet, and then they have this, you know, irrational dislike for the for the capitalist and the rich mm-hmm. person. Yet they themselves are likely, you know, a, a university professor who is themselves probably pretty wealthy and and whatever. Mm-hmm. They have all these like contradictions and weird ways of thinking about things. It just just does not make sense. It's not cohesive at all. It's very, very, very odd. And so you've probably heard all this lingual starting to go around in in our culture today and in our school system and on the media of this oppressor, oppressed, the minority groups, uh, all these weird things, white privilege, intersectionality, social justice, critical race theory, Mm -hmm. uh, virtue signaling, all these words connected to this Thing connected to postmodern thought, mm-hmm. very, very, yeah, very yeah. I call it. I, I, yeah. Each one of those could be discussed. Yeah, and they're worthy of discussion. And I just kind of call them the tentacles. Yeah, of postmodern thought, technically. Yeah. yeah, and just one little qualification. I mean, you didn't say anything uh, totally wrong, but like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Just as a clarification, yeah, it's yeah. helpful when you think about the, this idea of bourgeoisie proletariat. Yep. The idea came from a Marxist idea, though, that there would be this conflict yeah. between those two groups. Right. And out of that conflict, 
these two opposed groups, there would come one group yep. that would be a classless society. Right. But it had to be the revolution between the two. Right. So it's a conflict. Yep. There's this idea of this conflict, and out of that's going to be this classless society. Now, why that's intriguing, right. uh, it's a very intriguing concept, because here's what's interesting about all of these discussions. Is uh, in, po- in podcast, the first one we did here yep. together, the, in this little series you're doing here with me, um, we, I, I, made the, I made the case that there was like these three areas of knowledge, if you want, or three areas where God reveals himself. Right. And I said God reveals himself in the, the natural general revelation of the world. His fingerprints are on it. It's right. Like my office, you come to my office and say, hey, it looks like Dan Redmond's office. Yep. And then there's this uh, stuff written on our hearts. Yep. Because we're created in his image, so we gravitate towards certain things that are just we all do. All right. And then there's supremely is this special revelation of Jesus himself. And, of course, Jesus affirmed this reality of this thing called his word, the scriptures. Right. And I, I'd like to put those two together. I really do. So stepping back, though, there's this thing written on our hearts that yeah. we all gravitate towards. Yeah. Okay, so here's what's interesting about communism, if you want to think communism. It wanted this classless society yep. where everybody shared in all the distribution. Right. Right. And I would say, to the degree that really is fair and just, um, that's what heaven's going to be. That's the new heaven and the new earth. Sure. Yeah. And I don't know if it means we all do exactly the same thing, because we might not. We may be totally content with one guy being there's bigger. There's probably evidence that we don't. Yeah, and yeah, and I would say because of the beauty and the wonder of uh, diversity, we won't be caught up with me comparing myself or to anybody or else. Or covetousness or all that yeah, stuff. It'll be gone. Yep. But it really will be a true place of true justice and fairness. Right. So I find it fascinating that if you go back to the garden, Genesis 3, the, again, there's this, there's this sense in which... Satan, if you read it, read the, read, the, read the narrative, he's, you know, he's basically telling me God's really not being just to you. Right. He's not being fair to you. Right. He's keeping things from you. Right. You know, you could say he's not being good, too. But right. there's a sense where he's just not being fair. Right. I just find it fascinating because then all of these constructs in the world <clears throat> have this sense of the representation of the real thing, but then there's always a subtle twist. Right. So I would totally believe that we're going to live in a, Per, totally just perfect place. Yeah. It's new heaven, new earth, heaven, however you want to think about that. We could have that theological discussion, but that's actually going to occur. Right. It's not going to happen in this lifetime, though. Right. Because we live in a fallen, broken world that's cursed. Right. But why is it that people even move towards that? That's what I mean. Why we talked about unity and diversity. Why is that even in the human heart? Yeah. Why is justice and fairness even in the human heart? Right. Uh, I think of the marriage thing. Why two people? Yeah. Why does it look like two people are kind of opposite of each other a little bit? Yeah. I mean, what, what's all that about? It's like, <laughs> well, because that's the way God did create it. Right. And so we have to come up, whenever we, we do it not God's way, what we find ourselves, though, is gravitating towards at least a facsimile of the real thing in the end. Yeah. It's really kind of interesting. Yeah. You have to, you literally gravitate towards something that's similar yeah. to the original idea anyway. And so when we get into this discussion, um, you know, Again, guys in the past that you, if you were to read, men like Francis Schaeffer and others would have said, like, like communism is a Christian heresy. Yeah. It's an interesting thought. It's like, yep. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In a textbook's way, you're looking for something yeah. that was the pre-fall, right. was the garden. Or, again, you could think of it as heaven, or you could think of it as a new heaven, new earth. It is the way it's supposed to be. And, and my point in saying this is it's sort of written on the human heart. Right. So we think we're going to be able to come up with the answer for it, though. Yeah. Based in man. Yeah. It's always man. the issue. See, it's the same thing. Yep. It's like, no, based nope. in man, you're not going to come up nope. with the issue. You nope. can't do it. So I just find it fascinating that we all gravitate towards these things that actually are like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we are going to have equity. We are going to have a fair, just world. Yeah. And and I, I suspect in that fair, just world, though I don't, you know, I'm not there. I'm just a finite man. 
we're not going to be uptight with one guy being smarter than somebody else and one guy having a little bit bigger place than somebody else. We, right. we aren't really going to care. Right. Because it's not going to have anything to do with anything. Right. We're all going to worship God and worship be totally God. content. With yeah, no more sin. No more temptation. I mean, no more coveting. I'm not going to go, oh, I wish I had that. Yep. I'm going to be totally content with what I have. Yeah. Whatever that is. And so it wouldn't surprise me if you want to say a new heaven, new earth, a real existence, that it's not like everybody's going to look the same. No. Talk the same. No. Be the same. We're going to actually rejoice in the in the tremendous diversity. Yep. And it's going to be really cool. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. And so I mean, it's crazy. So anyway, all I'm saying, you, I hope you pick up what I'm saying. These other things are kind of interesting because there's like this. Again, kind of this element of truth, right? That kind of is woven in there, but there's this twist, right? And isn't that? I mean, as a Christian, that's the view we have in the scriptures. That's what right. Satan did. He came in the garden. He didn't. When he tempted Eve, if you go back and read that narrative again, it wasn't like everything he said was absolutely wrong. Right? He actually was saying some things that were Hints were of truth, accurate. Of but, truth. Then, but then he kind of just kind of twisted it. Just, just a little subtle, subtle twist. Little, little, yep. yep, that's what always happens. Just a little sleight of hand. Yep. And so I would say that yeah, that's what we're dealing with. So you're going back to postmodernism. You're just saying its roots, even in these in these French philosophers. If you look at it, yeah, there's this Marxist root. Yep. And you're right, Peterson. I've listened to those guys, uh, Hicks. Uh, you know, many of others have made a great, done a great job. I think great service to us to help us understand what's happening here. Right. And it's about power. Right. At the end of the day, it really is right. power. Yep. It's power, and it's the power to do what you want to do. Yeah, exactly. You want to do so. So I have an interesting quote I picked up. Another one of these. I told you, you know, earlier. I, I, I'm a guy that likes these quotes. Yeah. So here, here's here's one that I, I really like. I mean, uh, this was okay. So this had to do. It's a, a little bit different context, but the quote's really cool. Um, Aldous Huxley had this thing. He said. Okay, so he didn't want the world to have meaning because if you had meaning, if something has meaning, yeah, like when you walk in a room and a Scrabble board were laid out on a table, yep, and all these words were spelled out, you'd say, oh, somebody's been messing around, yeah. But if it's just thrown all over the place, right, with no sense of any meaning or any words, you might have the sense it just just fall there, yeah, right. So, so these guys could could have that sense that if we're beginning we're beginning to talk about meaning in life, meaning in ourselves, purpose. There's got to be something behind that which points actually to God. Right. Okay. So get that on the construct. But listen to what he says. He says, I had motives for not wanting the world to have meaning. Right. Consequently, I assumed it had none and was able without much difficulty to find satisfying reasons for this assumption. Right. The philosopher who finds no meaning in this world is not concerned exclusively with the problem of academics. The philosopher who finds no meaning in this world is not or is also concerned to prove that there is no reason why he should not do what he really wants to do. Right. Okay, let me reread that. So I, I stumbled there. The philosopher who finds no meaning in this world is not concerned exclusively with the problem of academics or like the philosophical discussion. It's really not what he's after. Right. He's after something else. Right. Here's what he's after. The philosopher who finds no meaning in this world is concerned to prove that there is no reason why he should not do what he wants to do. Yeah. Why his friends should not seize political power to govern the way they really most see advantageous for themselves. For myself, the philosophy of meaninglessness was essentially an instrument of liberation, sexual and political. Yeah, always is. It didn't really make sense, but I'm going to try to make it sense because I really just want to do what I want to do. Right. So it's it's a similar kind of way. There's a bigger motive here yeah. than when people say this, I've heard this forever. Well, we really want equity. We want justice. Right. No, there's another motive behind that. Right. And that's to... what I think these guys are exposing in a really yeah. good way. That really what's behind this is power. Yeah. And you just want the power to do what you want to do. Live the way you want to live. Yep. Look at the things you that's want to look saying. at. And I wouldn't be at all surprised when we, when he says sexual and liberal. 
political again. That's isn't that interesting? It's where it plays itself out a lot. Yeah, which has another whole series of podcasts that would be worthy discussion, even just sexuality. Oh yeah, like why is it so powerful in that realm? It's crazy. It, it really is. It's really crazy. amazing. We've been created as these sexual beings, and it's really yeah. powerful. And it plays itself out in that playing field. Yep. All the time, and even in the scriptures, in you know First Corinthians six, it's like every other sin is outside the body. Yeah. Sexual immorality is against your own body. Yeah, your body was created for the Lord, and you for uh, the body was the Lord is for the body, and the body is for yeah. the Lord. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. Like your bodies, your actual physical bodies were actually created for the God of the universe, for yep. Him. Yep. Not for sexual immorality. Ooh, you're going down another whole stream oh, man, of a discussion. Get, you're going to have to. You're getting all excited. Oh, I got okay. Dis- but but I'm really Whoa. serious. You know, this gets back to something I said in the first podcast. Remember, I said that um, the the beauty of the scriptures and the beauty of what God has given us, He's created a real physical world yeah. at the same time a non uh, uh, immaterial world. Yeah, like my soul and a lot of these things. Okay, and He's given us. I'm uh, uh, not. Going back there to the first thing, but I made the case that the, what God gives us in the scriptures is he explains the real world that's both physical and non-physical. Yeah. And he gives us a, 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 a coherent, consistent way of looking at that and understanding that interpretation of it. Yep. So even when you go there, though, I just I'm, I'm highlighting that for the moment. Because as soon as you start talking about sex, everybody gets interested. <laughs> but but See, no, but, is, but seriously, think about that. What that they're saying, it's, it's talking about your body. Yeah. But it really is saying there's something more to the sexual reality than just your body. Right. There is a supernatural, spiritual, soulish reality Right. that when you're engaging in certain kinds of activity, you are literally connecting your soul to another human being. Yeah. And it is a, I mean, it is a deep mystery, but it is a profound thing that should right. set, set you back in awe, like, wow. And all, so coming back to my original statement that I said would have to be another whole series of discussions, though, it really is fascinating how all this power... And all these discussions, fine, at the end of the day, they kind of play themselves out in this world of sexuality. Yeah. Like freedom to do sex, freedom to do what you want. Yep. And it's like, wow, there's a powerful discussion there to be had. Right, and it's, it, there's there's something very true uh, about the fact that one of the biggest proponents or the guy that one of the guys that invented, you could say, postmodern theory, uh, Michel Foucault, was a rampant homosexual. Yeah, yeah. He eventually died of HIV AIDS. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. And so, I mean, sex was a big part of that whole construct. Oh, yeah. There's a whole bunch to be said there, and, you know, we don't need to do it now. But, yeah, I mean, you look into that, and you start realizing, well, there's a whole world there. And so, again, coming back, uh, you could say, we could. I think power. Power yep. is a way to, obviously, these guys, I, I could just say people just want to do what they want to do. Yep. You, you really, and it goes back, again, let's just go back. I said postmodernism isn't really new. It's been from day one. Man wants to define life. I want to define life for myself. Yeah. And I find that in myself every day. Yep. And uh, it doesn't mean like those people out there are like that and I'm not. Right. It's in all of us. Right. It's, it's right. in, in what the Bible t- explains that to us is it's a sinfulness. It's a rebelliousness that's in me. Right. And so I need something. I can't, I can't like just wipe it away. Right. So number one, I need just forgiven for it because it's here. Right. And then I need something to mitigate against it. And God does say he does that. Now, in this lifetime, I don't even get it perfectly. Like, in principle, I am completely forgiven and cleansed of my sinfulness. Right. But now I contend with it because I'm still a fallen being. Yep. And I have to, and, and God, God, the beautiful thing, God does give me the means to contend with it. He gives me, you know, supremely his presence and his word and all sorts of things to contend against it. Yeah. But I will contend 
right. against it till the day I die. Right. But the beauty of knowing that I can be forgiven, right. that I am this sinful man, and I am no different than any other human being. But again, it's just an honesty going, oh, this is really in me. It's in all of us. And, and what people want to do is they want to justify what they want to do. Yep. And uh, they want to find a way of justifying it. Right. And they want to be able to have a power that says we can do anything we want. Right. And it's just destructive. Right. Man. Here's an interesting... I'm just going to read somewhat related, somewhat not. Well, it is related because it's yeah. about postmodernism. I'm going to read a series of quotes from Stephen Hicks. Here's an incoherence, inconsistency, irrationality with postmodernism. And by the way, Stephen Hicks... I mean, I don't... I don't know enough about Stephen Hicks, but just listening to him the little bit that I have not very much in reading, I mean, he's not coming at this from like you, what you would say. No, he's not coming from view. a Christian worldview. No, no. no. But, but he's, 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 this would be a term it's worthy of saying in your podcast. He would be considered a co belligerent. Sure. Which was a term, my understanding is, I, you know, somebody can correct me uh, on it. My understanding is it was maybe even a military term. It's like we can join together yep. uh, and go against this common enemy. Yeah. Of postmodernism. Yeah, or whatever. And yeah. so uh, some of these men you're mentioning may not agree with me right. on other v- on other things right. that I hold very dear and very important. Oh, right. But when it comes to this issue, yeah. you know, ism, the yeah. postmodernism, yeah. They're, they're on to some really good yeah, stuff that's worthy of at least saying, ah, yeah. that's an, it gets a great insight. Yep. Yeah. Here's some things he says about postmodernism. Truth is relative, but postmodernists say it as it is. So it's again, they say truth is relative, but it's... That's absolutely true that it's relative. Like, yeah. no, that's a contradiction. Right. Uh, all cultures are equally deserving of respect, but Western culture is uniquely destructive and bad. Yeah. And isn't that interesting? Literally, guys, if you're listening to this, you just see it in the news right now. You see it in the news right now. We are getting it. Just, the media is just ripping up Western culture, ripping up Trump, ripping up all this, ripping up capitalism. And it seems as though it's so funny, so funny. Babylon B. If you've ever read Babylon B, it's Christian satire. Hilarious. But they just, they came up with an article that literally just said, uh, Iranian, uh, uh, oh, I'm going to mess it up, but basically their, uh, their media in Iran uh, starts just to show MSNBC. Mm-hmm. Because there, it seems as though the American media is is promoting Iran far more than they would ever be promoting America. So this is really, it's like, okay, we're pro every other culture except Western culture. It's kind of weird. It's very kind of weird. It's very weird. It's just odd. That's weird. Uh, values are subjective. Values are subjective, but sexism and racism are really evil. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, we actually, as Christians, would say sexism and racism are actually evil. And obviously, we would have to define what that, what sexism and racism is. But we'd say, yeah, we have a reason, and a, and it's rational and logical for us to say this is why these things are morally bad. But they say values are subjective. Morality is subjective. But these certain things that I say are bad are bad. Apparently objective. Yeah, apparently objective. No, we can't have that. Uh, Technology is bad, but it is unfair that some people have more technology than others. Oh, okay. Uh, Tolerance is good and dominance is bad. But when we as postmodernists are in power... We are as politically correct as hell, he says. This is a quote from Stephen Hicks. Uh, and then, basically, he finally says, postmodernism is first a political movement because of its uniformity in politics. They're all left-leaning socialists. Yep. It's so interesting. You look at America. It's like, how many times do you have to uh, look through history and see that socialism always fails? 
Mm-hmm. But always, every single time, it's failed in just about the widest, the widest, you know, range of of cultures and languages. Yeah, it's failed everywhere. It's failed all over the world, all the time, every time. And a lot of times, it ends up actually in a tons of people dying. And you go, how many times do you have to see that this doesn't work? And let's like look at the Democratic candidates. Many of them are just plain out socialists. <laughs> You're getting politically on me here, Sam. We well, it's so thought odd. you wanted to talk about the truth in the gospel. I do want to try talk about it, but when we have <laughs> an enemy that uh, is attacking truth and they have a political agenda, you can't help but talk about it. Okay. So interesting, though. And then yeah, here's an interesting. By the, by the way, I didn't, I'm just kind of, oh I know I kind of, I'm sitting over here laughing at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you're here's, on, here's what on. here's something that I'm. I think Peterson said this. <coughs> so when you believe every hierarchy is about power then you see every hierarchy as a tyranny so that the so that patriarchy is seen as an unjust hierarchy yeah but he says but it is usually competence that makes a hierarchy not power say that last name but it's usually competence yep. that makes a hierarchy not power oh yeah yeah it's competence that makes makes a hierarchy yeah somebody's yep. more competent in, in a particular thing than somebody else right? yep 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 so here's the interesting thing too about postmodernism postmodernists they hate this idea of hierarchy. Yep. They hate this idea that there's there's people above other people. Yep. Again, they want to redistribute yep. everything. Everything equally. Not just money, but just power. Everything. Yep. It's like, well, that's well, somebody needs to be in power to even do any redistribution. That's why the governments are in power, and then they end up killing everybody. Right. So right. interesting. So yep. interesting. Yep. Um. So again, as a Christian, when Jesus is in full power and his full throne, he is now. But when he is on throne on earth, he's the final authority. The, but the, fi- the 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 final day when full yep. full you know final judgment final well even beyond that final cons- consummation is all done oh sure new heaven new earth new heaven new earth again however you want to think about that we can have that a different discussion there but the point is is this final consummation uh, where Jesus is the Lord God of the universe it'll be perfect justice yep it'll be perfect fairness whatever that looks yep. like yep and it won't be this discussion so once again it's like there's this impetus. and there will be there's there will be a in the heart that says everything's supposed to be fair and then we're going to do it here in, right. in this earth on this time in this utopia, right? And it just doesn't exist, right? Delusion. See again, again, let's go back to the first podcast that you and I did together. Yep, is that I would say that when I look at the scriptures and I it's this rea- showing me this picture of reality, right? It actually fits the world I live in. Yeah, right. You know, and it really does. Like it actually fits. Right. It actually works. Like oh yeah, that is the world I live in. Right. It's, this rings true, if you want to say that. Like, well, yeah. Yeah. It's not talking about, you know, yeah. Man. You know, hobbits and flying monkeys or some weird thing. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's real stuff. It's like, no, this is real. Like, it's real. And it actually explains my life. And it explains why I have conflict in my life and the things I need to work on. And yeah. it actually tells me. And it actually tells me, you know, even that, we could have that discussion about... It tells me about tyranny. It tells me that men have, have at times dominated women, but it tells me also that women have tried to control men and their sinfulness and manipulation. Yep. And it says, no, we both come to the table and have problems here. Yep. And I have to own mine, but you got to own yours too. Yeah. Come on, you know. And so, yep. like, no, this is real. Yep. We have all, every one of us are, are depraved. The Bible talks about it. And we, right. Theologically, we talk about the total depravity of man. Right. It's a powerful, powerful thought. Like yeah. every aspect of my being being's yeah. jacked up. Just a little plug, if you haven't listened to the podcast, literally on total depravity, oh, you should do that. You oh, did yeah, it. I did oh, a podcast yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So I tell people, like, no, I'm not as evil as I could be, number yep. one. 
Yep. Uh, but every aspect of my being is jacked up. Exactly. And here's the other thing I add now, though. I've sure. added this in the last 10 or 15 years. I'm far more even than I ever thought I was. Oh, yes. See, and early on, you kind, you, kind of, you kind of think you clean up a little bit, at least, even though you know yeah, you're not. Yeah, and if it not. wasn't for God's restraining oh. hand, you would be wicked. Oh, boy. The things oh, that boy. you could do if God was not holding you back. And the older you get, you go, oh, my. Yeah. And you see it, and you're like, wow, this total depravity man thing is radical. Yeah. It's like, oh, man. And so, against, again, the beauty of this, the, the, the Christian gospel, the reality of God, is that he invaded even that evil space yeah. and demonstrated on a cross in the midst of that evil. Yep. I mean, he took on evil, yeah. guys. I mean, like, like, like he Became even allowed, and he allowed the greatest evil in the face of the planet, deicide, yep. he allowed man to crush him. Yeah. No, it re- really was the working of God. That's another interesting scripture says it was God yeah. that did it. But at the same time, he, he allowed man to be used to do it, if you yeah. want to say it that yep. way. Oh, my. And it's like, oh, yeah, you want to talk about evil and suffering. Let's talk about evil and suffering. Yeah. Let's, let's start with the God and the cross. Right. Good grief. And that will say a lot. And so, yeah, we're, we're just so depraved that we gravitate towards these things. So I suppose where this went in this, po- in this podcast, Sam, is going back. People are longing for certain things. Yep. There's a movement in the heart that I would say is actually because they've been created in the image of God and there's this like residual yeah. Im- imprint in their heart for something right and right. just and good and yep. hopeful and equitable. Right. Uh, but they come up with a counterfeit, which yep. is really what Satan did in the garden. We're going to make man the center. We're going to start with man. Man's going to be the authority right. of whether it's his rational mind or his experience and feelings. Yep. And he's going to be able to define this world the way it should be. Right. And we're going to solve all these problems, right? And it's just like no, it right. and 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 then it becomes these counterfeits, and right? It becomes these like subtle things that have an element of truth. And I think that's my frustration, you know. Sometimes, like I've been, I live in a university town, and I'm around a lot of uh, professors, and and again, gifted wise, people create in the image of God. I want to really like a little celebrate that like, some of these people are extraordinarily brilliant. Yeah, I'm sure Foucault and these guys were brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. They like, were I'm smart. like, wow. Yeah. I like I'm kind of in awe. I like watching a great basketball player or something. Like whoa, yeah. what they can do, right? Oh yeah. No, I'm no. They're not doing it for the glory of the Lord. I understand that they don't walk with God, but right. So, but here's what's interesting to me: you listen to them and they spend their whole life, like making this, wanting to make this contribution to our knowledge, by focusing, like hyper focusing on this one narrow thing. Yeah. And they get like this incredible expert on this one narrow thing. Yeah. But what fascinates me is I really do believe you're stumbling into some things that are accurate. Yeah. I said this in the first podcast. Yeah. The problem is, is that you take this thing that you've stumbled into that, that I'm not disagreeing you've made the, that observation, but now you interpret it, which gets into like, a, you say, a worldview or a right. consistent framework by which you're kind of how you're fitting it into the model. Yep. And apart from God, you're going to have that. It's going to be goofed up. Yep. And so I'm not disagreeing that you've stumbled into something. Right. But your interpretation in the end is right. wrong. Right. If, you, if you're not starting with Christian presuppositions. Right. And, that, and that's where we go full circle here. Yeah. Kind of start with this postmodernism. There's an infinite number of ways to interpret the world. We would say from a Christian worldview, uh, yeah, there is an infinite number of ways to interpret the world. But there's only one right way. Yep, there you go. So, yeah, we do interpret the world all whacked up. And without Christ, we always interpret it <laughs> as us being ultimate. Yep. Me being the big shot here. Yep. It's all about me. And I'm always going to interpret the world without Christ, without regeneration, in my depravity, for my self-gain. Yep. There's so, there's And the, the motive behind it yep. is much bigger and much more ugly than people yep. will believe. Yep. It's, and it, it's, and it's that not is, altruistic. It's not kind. Yep. It's not about me being just and I just really want to contribute to mankind. At the end of the day, no, it's really about you. No, and it's objectively wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's objectively you. wrong. That's yep. a wrong interpretation. Yep. 
And so, yeah, we'll ra- wrap up this podcast. Um, we'll definitely do a part three because there's more things I want to get into. Oh, really? Oh, man. It's getting late in the night, so we might have to do it tomorrow. But okay, part three, what you can probably hopefully look forward to. I don't know exactly where we'll go because we kind of just go. <laughs> yeah. But hopefully, I really want to talk about uh, this this whole thing of social justice. I think it's really important that we talk about this right now. Uh, it's a huge issue in the church right now, a huge issue in the parachurch ministry. Um, it, it, yeah, you just hear the social justice stuff all the time. What, is it, what, the, what does that mean? What does that mean? What do they mean by social justice? Hmm. Uses this word social, uses this word justice, puts them together. What is going on here? Because justice is actually a really important biblical thing. Yeah. Justice is really fundamental. Oh, to, God's just. Man, it's really important. <laughs> so so how you define justice is a really important thing you like you have to define it correctly otherwise it's not just yeah or true justice so for some reason postmodernism again with this whole bourgeoisie proletariat rebranding so now it's oppressor oppressed uh and social justice i guess is that vehicle where you uh seek to uh redistribute uh the the power and the resources to these oppressed people so it's very related, mm-hmm. and then the then the Christian Church has been adopting this lingo and these ideas and this agenda, and they've unfortunately many of them have elevated these the social justice stuff, the social gospel, to the same level, or even sometimes maybe even more important than the true gospel. It's a huge issue. Some some very 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 respectable pastors, theologians in our country right now, very respectable very biblical, have said that this the social justice thing is the biggest threat to the gospel since the Reformation. Yeah. And whether you believe that or not, whether it's true or not, whether it is the biggest threat to the gospel since the Reformation, uh, really doesn't matter because the point is is that there's some really biblical, respectable guys that would say that, meaning that it's more than just... Well, minimally, it's a really significant issue that needs to be discussed. Exactly. That's <laughs> what I mean. If, if somebody's saying that this is the most... Like, and like you say, I know who you're saying who says that, and they're really respectable people. Yeah, these are... these. And so let's just say they're wrong. Let's say they're overstating it by, uh, you know, 10% or 20%. Well, that's okay. what I'm saying. It's still a huge issue. Like, if they're saying, okay, if they're saying this is the biggest yeah. issue in the last 500 yeah. years to threaten the, the true gospel yeah. in the church, yeah. well, okay, let's just say it's not. Well, then it's still oh, a well, big it, issue. Well, <laughs> well... Uh, I don't know how much time Biggest we have. Maybe we don't have time, but yeah. but, but guys, literally, is like a sales point on that. Whatever you do, this is this, mar- is this called marketing, Sam, on a podcast? So you talk like this. I don't know. I okay, don't know. okay. You so here, here's my point, though. <laughs> but seriously, I don't know what I'm doing. See, no. <laughs> see, no, I've been telling people recently, like, like I don't know what to do with all of it. Like I, I've been studying it and understanding it, and I think I understand some of what's going on. But just like what we were talking about, here's this prominent people. That are Christian theologians, Bible scholars, pastors that we would appreciate, right. who are very concerned about this. Well, I find it fascinating the co-belligerent idea. The idea is like we join arms. We have all sorts of like even atheistic academic scholars who are saying the same thing. Right. Like, hey, this is a this is a this is a loss of Western civilization. Like yeah. this, this is serious. And so once again, whatever you do with the muddy water with it, discussion, you have to at least go. This must be pretty significant because here we are sitting in a room having an interview, not here, but. It's happening, yeah. With atheistic men who would disagree with our most cherished realities and truths, and yet when it comes to this so, social yeah. justice, let's call it a, a, this large discussion. Oh man, they are they got whole organizations that are standing against it right now because yeah. of the danger it is to free thought. Right. It's like it's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's like you ought to stand up and take notice. Right. So this is this is <laughs> oh man. I, yeah. I, can't, like, I don't I don't want to overstate it, but I don't want to understate it. Like. 
Oh, Sam, I'm watching your expression right now, and I, I, I don't know what you call that, but you are pretty animated. About oh, this. man. Like, you hear my voice. I'm almost like about to, like, jump over. I don't know what to do right now. Like, like seriously. And I'm, wa- I'm watching it, and this is what I want to talk about in the next podcast. So I just, a little okay. bit of a preview, but I'm watching this playing out in front of my eyes. Yeah. And we all kind of are. Yeah. And either you're, either you're buying into it and you're being deceived or you're seeing it. And you don't know what to do, yeah. Because it's it's weird. It's really weird, and it's affecting people that you thought were solid. It's affecting oh, people you know. It's right. affecting your church, major historic evangelical organization. Yeah, it's affecting people that big, you big time. Bigger have been, than you, had relationships yeah. with for years. Yes. And you go, what is going on? What type of water are these people drinking? Have they drinking the Kool Aid? Whatever. Have they drinking part of the Kool Aid? I don't know what's going on. It's weird, and we need to talk about it, and people need to know about it. You can't just you can't be just oblivious to this stuff. Do you have any time left? Do we have time left? I'm going to joke about something. <laughs> yeah, we got, I mean, yeah. I've had okay. I've had some podcasts go an hour and a half. Okay, so I swear. You got 20 minutes. Well, I wonder <laughs> with your generation sometimes. Well, they can just pause and listen. No, to I just heard a laugh. I already laughed. With your generation, when you guys say drink the Kool-Aid, I'm like, do you know where that comes from? Well, of course, at Jonestown. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've asked okay. people and they don't even know. Okay, I, okay. Like, what are you talking about? I, I know that because I, I took a new religious movements class in college. Okay. So I learned all about these new religious movements. John, you know. John, See, because, because in my lifetime. Yeah. I'd have to go back and look at the years it was, but I remember that on the news. Oh, I bet. Like in That's my crazy. lifetime, Jonestown, Jonestown, yeah. Yeah. It was this cult. And, but the guy started off preaching. He sounded like he was a religious Christian uh, guy. Yeah. And he took all these people to Ghana. Yep. Started yeah. the Jonestown. And, and he had them drink Kool-Aid. With was, cyanide in it. Yeah, absolutely. And 900 people died. Oh, that's crazy stuff. So it's like they're drinking the Kool-Aid. Drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> but and I'm asking so lots of people your you know, age about it and they don't need, they don't even know where it's okay is what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm they like, get oh, the no. they get the expression, but they don't really know where it came from. Yeah, I guess. right. That's but curious. It, it's interesting too, though. It's like to prep to prep his people to brainwash them when they were still in California. Yeah. He said he had them drink Kool-Aid and then he told them, I put cyanide in that, and everybody started freaking out, we're gonna yeah. die. He was just joking. No, I didn't put it in it. Oh, but really? would you have drank it That's anyway? Story would you have drank it? So he'd been brainwashing them for a period of time with this, trying to prep them, and eventually, wow. when they were down in Jonestown in Ghana, then he finally did officially have cyanide in it. Now drink the Kool Aid. The you know the government's coming, the senators coming, blah blah yeah. blah blah blah. So this whole thing. When I was in seminary, oh, one, of, one of their students in seminary. One of our students in seminary when I was in seminary. Yeah. Twenty five years ago. Um, yeah, gosh, twenty yeah twenty five years ago. Uh, one of the students we had in our seminary was one of the, um, I'll just say family members because I can't remember what, but she, her family members, she lost a couple of family members in that. In that, really? Yeah. yeah. Wow, she was it's right so interesting. Well, Tell us wait, about it. It's because you went to seminary in California. Yeah. So right. there's obviously, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was like maybe she was a you know a daughter of one of the moms or it was her aunts or, but two, two, two or three of her family members yeah. were there. Yeah. God, yeah. If you want to, this is a whole different tangent, but if you ever wanted to, yeah, watch some interesting documentaries on, on Johnson, that's an interesting documentary because there's people that didn't drink the Kool Aid down right, there. Right, right. They lived. They lived. They, they, and went, they, and, they ran into the jungle. They, and they ran in the jungle. Yeah. They came back and their whole family dead on the ground. Nine, like nearly a thousand people dead on yeah. the ground. Yep. Could you imagine? That's the craziest thing. Oh. Family, kids, wife, yeah. husband, whatever. Well. Drink the Kool Aid, dead. You didn't. Yeah. Well. You have to look at their dead body. Man, that's weird. But. Oh wow, yeah. I mean, we got a lot to talk about. Yeah, like I said, I think we really need to kind of, uh, uh, yeah, 
elaborate on this social justice thing. Really? Okay. Because there is, there's a, yeah, there's hints of truth to it. Because certainly you have, you have these the interesting thing like, yeah, racism is wrong. Yep. So you have this like, it's so easy for Christians to adopt these things. Yeah, we should be fighting yeah. for the rights of the oppressed. Like what? We should be helping the the, the poor, whatever. Yeah. So you have these grains of truth that make it so attractive to the Christian mind. Yeah. And but underneath it, the, what's really happening might be really dangerous. And so I we, I want to re- well right yeah, on. and I think I think yeah, you know we've had some of these discussions recently, but it reminds me. You know what this whole thing reminds me of, whether it's social justice or any of these things, reminds me of. And I've been camping on it recently, the last few, even number of days. You were you you've heard me say this to some men. Like when you think of Gnosticism, yeah, you know, we look back in like say First John, sure, and John was addressing Gnosticism in the church, yeah, and it's easy for us to sit here and give it this name, Gnosticism, this category, yep. But in the time, these were people in the church who claimed to be Christians, right, who had ways of thinking, right, and they were wrong, right, and they had to be corrected, right, and you know, set aside also, and so, I mean, it may sound really simple, but think about that, like. That's what's happening today right? with all sorts of things. It's happened, not just, I shouldn't say today. It's been happening in right. the church for 2,000 years. Right. There's thinking that comes in yep. that takes on a Christian tone right. or Christian words. Yep. And there's this idea that they can improve Christianity. Yeah. We can improve it. We're, we haven't been doing it quite Man. right. We can improve it. Man, that's And weird. so what it really is, is it's, it is it is taking ideas out there yep. that, are, that are not coming from Christian presuppositions right. and and attaching them, amalgamating them, synchronizing them, however you want to think yeah, of that. Baptizing them. I, baptize, I use that term a lot, too. And baptize them with Christian language, right. and they're brought into the church. Yeah. And it's like, wow. Yeah, secular. Worldly ideas, yep. theories. And they're brought in. Of course, the scriptures have warned us about that forever, yeah. that these false ideas would come in. And yep. they did there. That's what I'm saying. They were happening in the writing of the scriptures. Right. Gnosticism. And so yep. it shouldn't shock us that that's, that's what we're dealing with today. Right. And so, you know, uh, yeah, it's a worthy discussion to have because these things are coming in. Uh, and there's been plenty of other things, too. Um, but this seems to be the, the, the important issue of our day. Yeah, right now. At least this today. Today. Yep. Your, your, your generation. Well, all of us, really, but your generation particularly. Oh, yeah. Is really, really confused you're, you're, about you're, it. Oh, yeah. Confused, saturated in it. Saturated it from, from kindergarten. Yeah. Which is really serious because, um, you know, again, I'm, I've talked to people, uh, men in the church, say my age and older, some young too, younger than me, and they, they just don't get like this is really serious. Right. I found that really interesting even. Guys your age, I know a number of guys in their 30s that are all over this. Yeah, it's, it's really addressing. It's, and then I'll go to somebody that say 55 or 60 in my, in, in in a church, uh, and, and they'll go, well, we, we don't have these problems here. It's not a big deal. I'm yeah. Like, what, uh, what world do you live in? You're right. And it's like they're not even aware. Right. It's totally. been really interesting to me. That's been a more frustrating one for me personally. Like, like wait a minute. No, this really is here. Desensitized. What? Desensitized to it. Well, either that or they're just not. They're, you know, it's not like they're paying to pay well, attention. Fish, either the fish swim in, swim in water. They don't well, even... they could be that too. That you know, when a fish swims, while well, they don't know. You know, you don't ask what it means to be wet, right? Yeah, that yeah. Kind of idea. But it's not always that. See that? You, sure. You're That's going a little more. You're, well, yeah, you're going more to the um, all the criticism than I am. I I, I want to give some benefit. Oh, okay, sure. That they just don't even know what's going on. Yeah. They, they, they haven't smelled quite this yet. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Really, some of them haven't. I really right. don't. I really believe that. So I, I hate to say naive because they're not. They're not. They're smart. They're smart people. people, but they just don't. They're like, no, this is really happening. Yeah. This is happening in your kids. This is happening all around you. Right. 
And and I've literally had people say, really? You know, they act like it's not a big deal. I'm like, no, it's a big deal. Yeah. It's a big deal. <laughs> so so I look forward to having that conversation. Oh, man, it's going to be fun. Okay. We okay, done? let's end this one up. So All thanks right. for listening. Hope you have a good day.